0: Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Hello, we've been studying leaders and authorities. You know, you can shy away from leaders and authorities and say, I don't like them, I don't want them. You can also shy away from being a leader or in authority. But God has set it up that authority and leadership is a part of everyday life. Did you know that even the demonic realm realized there have to be authority structures for there to be order? Jesus, when speaking about getting rid of demons, he said, a kingdom divided its against itself cannot stand. And we know that there are layers in the demonic realm. And even the demonic realm realizes authority is needed for there to be progress and structure. And God loves authority. His desire and aim and purpose in bringing authority was for it to be a channel or a funnel of his blessing, of his order, of his peace, for his will to be extended through authority. Now, humans don't always do that. And today we're talking about shepherds. We've spoken about kings or government leaders. We've spoken about bosses or masters. We've spoken about parents. And today We're talking about church leaders, which are called shepherds in the Bible. And I am very aware that not all authorities are good authorities. I really am. We spoke in a previous talk about how Romans 13 says the authorities that exist were appointed by God. And we said that that is in the perfect tense, meaning it was a once for all deal where God set up authority as a concept and as as a structure. But he doesn't control everything that a leader does or putting every leader in place. He wants good leaders, but there is human involvement and even the the enemy's involvement as well. And so we need to look at how can I relate to leaders and authorities well? How can I be a leader or an authority well? You know, in the millennium, after Jesus comes back, there's a thousand years where he rules on earth as king and it's a good rulership, but it says that we will reign with him. He has made us kings and priests. He's wanting us to step up, to become leaders, to want to become leaders. And so we are looking at this, not just from the perspective of how do I relate to leaders, but how do I become a good leader? And in the church, God wants shepherds who he calls elders. Now, let me start this off by just talking about titles. In Matthew 23, From verse 8 onwards, Jesus was speaking, and he was rebuking the Pharisees because they loved the titles and the adulation of people, and they wanted to be seen to be important. And he said, don't call anybody on earth your rabbi or your teacher or your father, because we are all brothers or brethren. And God's plan is not for us to have lots of leadership titles and to take it as a, a matter of pride that I'm a leader. When James and John approached Jesus and asked to be in important positions, he said, no, no, that's the way the world thinks. In my kingdom, leaders are servants and they're humble. When you humble yourself, you'll be exalted. Don't try and take on titles and positions. However, if we try and take on the job, not the title, but the job of leading and serving. If we want to serve God by serving people in leadership, that is a good thing. 1 Timothy 3 verse 1 says, he who desires to be an overseer desires a good work. And that's what we're looking at today. So let's just talk about these titles. You may have been in churches where there are many layers and titles of leadership. Have you? Some of the names amaze me and boggle my mind that all these positions we've managed to create in the church when in the Bible, there is really just two. There is elder, who is sometimes also called overseer or pastor. And that word overseer is sometimes translated bishop. And the word pastor is sometimes translated shepherd. But it's one position. And I'm going to show you that in a moment. Elder or pastor, shepherd or overseer, bishop is one position. And then there were deacons, which simply means servant or helper. And those were really the only two positions that we see in the Bible. And that I think God chose nebulous names like elder and deacon rather than important president or whatever, because he doesn't want us to take the title as a, as a source of pride. Let me just quickly show you three passages which prove that elder is the same as overseer or bishop, which is the same as pastor or shepherd. Acts 20, verse 17, from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. So the elders are coming. That's who he's speaking to. Verse 28, therefore, take heed to yourselves and the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers or bishops to shepherd or pastor the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. He uses all three terms interchangeably there. You say, well, that's one verse. Give me another one. Okay, 1 Peter 5, verse 1. The elders who are among you, I exhort, I who am a fellow elder. This is Peter, the apostle speaking. He doesn't call himself apostle. He says, I'm an elder. The elders who are among you, I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Shepherd or pastor the flock, of God which is among you serving as overseers or bishops not by compulsion but willingly not for dishonest gain but eagerly nor as being lords over those entrusted you but being examples to the flock flock is a sheep word which means shepherd or pastor and when the chief shepherd appears the chief pastor you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away acts 20 Paul uses all three terms interchangeably. 1 Peter 5, Peter uses the terms interchangeably. You're not convinced yet? Titus chapter 1 verse 5, Paul writing to Titus in Crete. For this reason, I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. If a man is blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of dissipation, or in subordination. For a bishop or overseer must be blameless as a steward of God. He uses elder and overseer or bishop interchangeably. You say, Greg, you've used six words or or so. How can you say they're all the same thing? The word for elder is presbyteros. Sometimes in some denominations, they call that presbyter, but it's translated elder most times in most Bibles. It's one word, one position. The word bishop is episkopos, which means overseer. Sometimes it's translated overseer, sometimes it's translated bishop. It's the same word and it's used interchangeably with elder. And the word pastor is pomain, which is sometimes translated pastor, sometimes shepherd. It's the same word and it's interchangeable with elder and bishop. I hope you've got that. Why am I going on about that? Because we as humans love the badge, the title. Uh, the position, the glory. And God says, no, leaders are not to do that. So what are we supposed to do? Shepherding is probably the best description of what church leaders are supposed to do. In the Old Testament, shepherds were the ones who looked after the, sh- the sheep, but also many of the leaders in the Old Testament were called shepherds. David being the main one, King David Uh, It says in the Psalms that he shepherded God's people. He led them. And it's such a lovely picture because a shepherd always has a boss, the owner of the sheep, and he's reporting to the boss. And we as shepherds in God's church are reporting to the chief shepherd, God himself. But then we're looking after the sheep with love, with care, with compassion. We're not trying to um, use them for our own ends. We love the sheep. And there are two main passages that speak about how to be a good shepherd. And so I'm just going to briefly go through these. John chapter 10. Jesus is speaking in this uh, chapter and he says, he is the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. But then he talks about what shepherds do. In verse 2, he says, he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. And later on, he's going to say that he is the door. So he's making room for him being the shepherd, but there are other under shepherds who enter by the door through him. He says, you are a pastor of this church. He who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So there's an intimacy. There is a relationship and the sheep know his voice and he knows them by name. There is a, a personal relationship and he leads them out. He walks out and he leads them and they follow him. There is a leadership and an an intimacy role here. Verse four, and when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Verse nine, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. So there's aspects here of a shepherd going in and out. We've got to not just look after our own little crowd, but look for new people and bring them in And find pasture means feeding or nourishing the sheep is part of a shepherd's role. I believe lead, feed, and guard are the three main roles, but we're going to see that here. Verse 10, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. And Jesus did that. And good leaders in the body of Christ lay down their lives for the sheep. Uh, It's a beautiful picture. Uh, To bring them abundant life, to keep them safe from the enemy who's trying to steal, kill and destroy. Lead, guard and feed. Uh, And then verse 16. Other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them I also must bring and they will hear my voice and there will be one flock. He says, bring in. The shepherd not just cares, but looks for new sheep to come in. And then the second passage is Psalm 23, the famous Psalm of David says, The Lord is my shepherd. David was a shepherd for his people, but he says, God is my shepherd. I'm the under shepherd. He's the chief shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Shepherds feed. They preach God's word. They they share nourishing truths from the Bible. So that people grow. He he leads me, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. There's a leadership where we say, We're going this way. Shepherds tell people where we're going as a group. He restores my soul. There's a healing element. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. Friend, do you have a shepherd like this? not just God, but a human shepherd, because God's goal is for humans to help shepherd. And in fact, if you want to make it as simple as possible, the goal of the church is to take goats, those who don't believe in God, make them sheep, believers in God, and then make them shepherds. That's the plan, goats to sheep to shepherds. And that's what God wants for us. Psalm 23 continues, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. There is an intimacy and a closeness. Shepherds walk with their people. And then it says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, this was mainly to guard the sheep, the the stick, the rod and the staff were to beat off the wolves. But there is an element of discipline as well. A leader also can say to a sheep, hey, hold on, you're out of line here. And then he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The house of the Lord should be a place of feasting on God's word and fellowship. In Ephesians 4, it says we are nourished by what every joint between believers supplies. As I fellowship with Christians, I am being nourished and God's word is nourishing, and there is a shepherd watching over us. Let me just talk quickly about the idea of who leads and who ministers. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but in modern churches today, there is this idea that uh, the congregation leads and the pastor ministers. What do I mean by that? I mean that whenever there's a decision to be made, the congregation think we should vote on it, we should lead, we should decide how to use the money, where we're going, what we're doing. And then as far as ministry, visiting the sick, visiting people in hospital, in in homes, preaching, uh, evangelism, kids work, worship, then the, the minister, the pastor should do that. That's how we have thought of it, and I believe it's upside down, because in the Bible, the elders or the shepherds lead and the people do the ministry instead of the other way around. You say, Greg, where do you get that from? Ephesians 4 verse 11, it says, Jesus himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ. And so the leaders who are gifted people, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, those are not Titles, those are giftings, abilities that they have. They then get appointed and recognized as elders. And and we say, these few are going to be the shepherds or the elders of our church. They lead and they equip all of us to do the ministry, to do the visiting, the teaching, the worship leading, the praying, all the different ministries, the work of the ministry, the, the reaching out to the lost. The ministers equip the church to do it. In Acts 14, verse 23, it says, so when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord. Paul appointed elders in every church, plural. There should be more than one elder in every church. Now your church may only be 10 people, in which case it's hard to have many elders, but you should have at least one. And you say, well, how do I know who's the God appointed elder? And I would say if somebody feels it in their heart to do it, yes, get some outside input, If you can, but if you can't, say, I believe this is what God wants me to do. Tell the people. And if they follow you, then go ahead and do it. Stay within the boundaries that the Bible gives us for what an elder is and isn't and should and shouldn't do. But that will help you to do it. Now, how should we relate to these elders or these shepherds? I've just got two verses for you. Hebrews 13 verse 17 says, obey those who rule over you and be submissive. For they watch out for your souls. Isn't that interesting? There are people over us who are watching out for our souls. They're watching to see if we're okay. It's such a beautiful picture. Watch out for your souls. But then it says, as those who must give account, the leaders in the church are going to account to God for how the people's spiritual health developed. We as shepherds or elders are going to stand before God and he is going to ask us, how did you represent me? Did you show my character well? And did you care for people and guide them, lead them, feed them and guard them the way that I wanted you to do? And then it says, let them do so with joy and not with grief. There are two options here. You can serve in your church with joy so that the leaders find it a joy. When, when you walk into the room, the elders say, what a joy this person is. What an encouragement. What, a, what an addition to what we're doing or with grief. (laughs) You can be the kind of person who just makes every decision hard. But then it says, for that would be unprofitable for you. If you do it in in a way that makes moving ahead difficult, it's unprofitable. You miss out on the blessing that God wants to pour through the church because everything's hard work and trudging through treacle, trying to get anything done. But if we work together and you're a contributor and a, and a happy member of the church. It is profitable. It benefits everybody. The whole body grows. And then my last verse about how do we relate. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 12. And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. Recognize them. Say, so yes, they, they have a position. They're not better than me, but God has put them in a position and I honor the position and I honor God through them. I honor and I speak well of them. I recognize them. And esteem them, verse 13, very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. Esteem them highly. Now, I know that in our modern culture, we like to criticize leaders. We like to give them a hard time. We feel it's important for us to challenge them. And in the body of Christ, you can do that in a loving and respectful way. And I just want to close with a story from the Old Testament. In number 16, there was a man called Korah and the, the Israelites had been wandering in the desert for about 20 years by now. And this man Korah with 250 other really powerful leaders in the Israelite community rose up. And verse two of number 16, they rose up before Moses with some of the children of Israel, 250 leaders of the congregation, representatives of the congregation, men of renown. They gathered together against Moses and Aaron and said to them, You take too much upon yourselves, for all the congregation is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? They said, what makes you so special? We're all leaders. We can all hear from God. We don't need you, Moses and Aaron, to tell us what to do. Moses and Aaron were very sad. They went and they cried out to God because they knew that when there's rebellion and a house divided against itself, God's blessing can't, can't flow. And God was angry with Korah, and the the earth opened up and a whole bunch of them fell in and died. But the rebellion had spread, and the whole congregation started rebelling against Moses and Aaron, and a plague broke out. And Moses and Aaron went and cried out to God and he stopped the plague, but fourteen, thousand people had died. And so God said, "I'm going to solve this once and for all. Get the twelve tribes of Israel, each of them take their stick, a, a staff representing, their tribe and put it in the presence of God in the tabernacle before the ark of the covenant. And in the morning, one of them will be the one that's chosen by me to be the leader. And they went back in the morning and Moses and Aaron's stick had, well, let me read it to you. Verse eight of Numbers 17. Now it came to pass on the next day that Moses went into the tabernacle of witness and behold, the rod of Aaron of the house of Levi had sprouted and put forth buds, had produced blossoms and yielded ripe almonds. And the Lord said to Moses, bring Aaron's rod back before the testimony to be kept as a sign against the rebels that you may put their complaints away from me, lest they die. God puts his blessing upon leaders by putting fruitfulness and life and growth on them and on their ministry and on the people who are under them. That's the way God says, this is my leader. He could have taken the stick and hit the people, but he said, no, look, this is how I show you who I've chosen, and it's by fruitfulness and life and growth. Can you imagine this dead stick? This is the same stick that Moses had had 20 years before in the desert. Do you remember when he picked up the stick, and then he parted the Red Sea with it, and then he made water come out of the rock, and he held it up when the Amalekites were fighting the Israelites? It's the same stick. And it's old and dead, and there's no life in it, but God says, look, it sprouts, it blossoms. There's leaves, there's flowers, there's almonds. It's beautiful. And that is the sign of God's leadership. It produces life. But now we fast forward another decade or two, and Moses is old. They're about to go into the promised land, Numbers 20 verse eight. And the people are complaining against Moses. They're saying, we don't have any water. And God speaks to Moses in Numbers 20. And he says, take the rod, you and your brother Aaron, gather the congregation together. Speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and their animals. So God says, take the stick, the one that's in my presence, that still has all those beautiful blossoms and buds on it. Take it and speak to the rock. Why did he not say hit the rock like he had? 40 years earlier, because there's blossoms and fruit on it now. You see, when you start off disciplining a young child, sometimes you have to use physical force to make them do what they have to do, obviously with love and care. But as a person matures, you speak rather than force. And God says, now these people are 40 years in the wilderness. You speak to them and you show them the fruitfulness of my leadership. Verse 9, so Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock. And he said to them, here now, you rebels, (laughs) must we bring water for you out of this rock? Must we bring? Can you see what's happened? Moses has become jaded through leadership. He's bitter. He's remembering all the hurts of the past. He's not representing God and God's care and love anymore. He's speaking out of a heart of bitterness. He says, you rebels, must we bring water for you out of this rock? Then Moses lifted his hand and he struck the rock twice with his rod and water came out abundantly and the congregation and their animals drank. Moses hits the rock. Even though God had said, speak to the rock, speak with kindness, speak with fruitfulness and love. Moses was angry. He hits the rock twice. Why twice? I believe the first time nothing happened and he hit it again. Now God cares about his sheep and he will provide for them even if the leader is bad And the leader goes off track. God will look after his people, but Moses paid a heavy price. Verse 12, then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe me to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land, which I have given them. Leaders, we carry a huge responsibility. We will be judged. We will give an account and God says, did you represent me? Did you hallow me or show me to be holy and, and worthy of reverence? Did you listen to me or did you allow your own desires and anger to lead you? And if we don't represent God, we will pay and we will lose some of our rewards in heaven. But if we shepherd well, as Peter said, the chief shepherd will give us the crown of glory, the reward because we have represented the chief shepherd as his shepherd. Friends, if you've had leaders in church who have not done a good job, please forgive them. Leave it up to God to judge them. He's a better judge than you are. And just say, I'm going to keep a heart of peace, a sweet spirit. I'm going to submit because then it's profitable for the whole church. And if you have to leave, leave in a good way. Don't badmouth people. Go and find a shepherd who is a good shepherd. But The church of God is so precious, we shouldn't be damaging it by fighting amongst ourselves. Lord Jesus, please would you help us to relate to you as the chief shepherd, but also to be shepherds and to relate to our shepherds well. Help us, Lord. Let the body of Christ shine your leadership much more clearly, I pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com. And subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.